This is the tape recording made of the chapel of the open book at the Wednesday dinner hour service, and we are still dealing with the finished work, the covering title, but we are dealing with all the reasons for it, the background of it at the moment, found particularly in the book of Genesis onwards. We have looked at the fact that the scripture speaks about the world that then was, that perished, the heavens and the earth which are now, and a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwell is righteousness. Well, that gives us three points. Some in the past, some covering the present, some the glorious future. And then, among other things, we realize that the Jehovah title of God in the Scriptures, built upon the verb to be and the verb to become in the Hebrew, but made easier for us by the sort of translation given by John in the book of the Revelation, he who was and is and is to come, and given to Christ in Hebrews 13, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, guarantees that that purpose, linking the ages in the personal work of Christ, shall be achieved. Well, then we looked at the fact that there is in the Scriptures most undoubtedly a spiritual enemy. He is called in the Old Testament Satan, that's a Hebrew word. He's called in the New Testament the devil, that's a New Testament word. And he's called in both the serpent. Now, the scripture doesn't enter into the philosophy of the question and show reason why God, who is almighty, should allow such an enemy to live. Or we can bow in his presence and say he knows what he's doing and we'll understand better later on. But we're in the midst of it. And since man was upon the earth in the name of Adam, until this present moment onwards, there's never been peace on earth. Never! There may have been a period when there's been no war raging between armies, but peace has never been known. We belong to a battleground and this earth has been set apart for the battleground in which the great quarrel of light and darkness, good and evil, is being worked out. And thanks be unto God that giveth us the victory ultimately through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have a suggestion that there was a world that passed away that was ruled by angels and men put upon the earth, made a little lower than the angels, was God's answer. All this we have to consider in detail. I just want now to set the stage, as it were, if I can, for the working out of this program, and uh, I mustn't spend more time in that sort of introduction. I remind you that the book of Ecclesiastes, which is the writing of a very wise man who was puzzled by the things that he couldn't explain, so we're all in the same boat, he said, you know, if he was writing in an up-to-date idiom, he said, you know, we're all going round and round in circles. Have you ever said that about yourself? Have you ever heard anybody else say, I seem to be going round in circles? Well, he said so. He said, one generation cometh, another goeth. All the waters run into the sea, yet they not full back, they go where they start. The sun no sooner seems to rise and he's racing across the sky to set. Keeps on going round in circles. And then he puts it this way. That which hath been is that which shall be. Going round in circles. You see, God is not going straight forward yet. It is a battle. And he's picked it up at the beginning. It's waging its, its way right the way round till it gets to its end. And then God starts. And then the purpose will eventuate. God will be all in all and a straight line will be the symbol. So we must prepare to be baffled many times. But where we are baffled, God is not. And we can trust him where we cannot trace it. 
So now I want to, as it were, suggest to you the bottom of this drawing on the board. You will see on this side, it's partly veiled, the word creation. That's in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But that's an undated period. We don't know when that is. In the beginning. When you know that there are some coal fields that lie over one another, about seven different coal fields with layers of clay and rock in between, how many millions of years did that take for those seven different forests to grow and be buried and covered and become fossilized? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth as far back as you like to go. But in very recent times, only about, what, nearly 6,000 years ago, God made his great redemptive move and put one man in the earth, different from any other man that's lived before, made in the image of God and a type of Christ. That's where we start. A good many people want to start right back in the beginning. They find fault with the book of Genesis because it doesn't describe all the processes of creation. It doesn't speak about nuclear fission. It doesn't talk about the... Um, Motor cars we have and so on, you see. Well, if Moses had started describing the whole creation from the beginning, he'd still be at it, friends, and none of us would know the way of salvation. God knew best. The book is a book of redemption, not of philosophy or science. So, we shall discover that it's now got, as it were, a beginning and an end. And it's about time I looked at those, otherwise we should have to sing the doxology and go home without ever reaching it. Now, when you look at Genesis 1, verse 1 and 2, as we said, in the beginning, takes us right back beyond all our period. Then it says, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now we've had all this before, but for the sake of those unseen friends who may not have considered it, I must repeat myself a little. You notice in this English version that the word was is printed in two different types. Do you see that? Now there's quite a many of, uh, of those who are scientific who are supposed to weigh and analyse and measure everything before they believe it, have never once noticed that in verse 2, and yet they stand as critics of God's word. Well, I've got to criticise them. No printer would go out of his way to use separate type in a book this size unless there was a reason. And the reason is this. The earth became without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. That's the literal translation. The same word comes in the next chapter, and man became a living soul. He wasn't until he breathed. So, God didn't create the world a chaos, it became so. Now, in Jeremiah the fourth chapter, if you'll turn to that, you'll find that Jeremiah uses the two very words that are found in Genesis, and uh, links it with a day of vengeance, not with creation, but with judgment. Jeremiah the fourth chapter. And verse 23, I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void. The very words, the very words. And what was the cause of this? I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved lightly. I beheld, and lo, there was no man, and all the birds of the heavens were fled. I beheld, and lo, the fruitful place was a wilderness. And all the cities thereof were broken down at the presence of the Lord and by his fierce anger. That's only one reference. There are others in Isaiah, which I'm leaving them for the moment. So Jeremiah has picked out those very two words and said, it's nothing to do with creation, it's to do with judgment. Well then judgment means some persons who have a responsibility have sinned. And as man wasn't created, 
We were looking last time at the fact that angels sinned. And we are told that the devil was a sinner from the beginning. He was a murderer from the beginning, right from the beginning. So there's an angelic sin that's, that's brought about the chaos in verse 2. Now once more, Genesis 1, verse 2. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now, this is the point that you want to remember. We can link the Hebrew word deep in Genesis 1 with the word which we find in the book of the Revelation in the Greek language because 300 years before Christ, the Hebrew Bible was translated into Greek and was used by the people in Palestine and Egypt and quoted by Christ. Now, the point is this. That word deep in verse 2 is translated in Revelation 20, the bottomless pit. So the beginning of the Bible and Revelation 20 is the end of the Bible, we have a bottomless pit. Now we have not told a word about the serpent in Genesis 1 verse 2, but when you come to the creation of man and the appointment of man in the Garden of Eden, verse 3 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Where did he come from? Because God had pronounced all the work of his hands very good. And he is a diabolical being, bringing about the fall of man. Shall we leave that for a moment to answer itself and turn to the last chapters of the book of the Revelation? Let's say we are moving from the one end of the stage on which this is worked out, to the other end, where we're almost at the finish of the great drama. Chapter 20. Revelation. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit. The same word as the word deep in Genesis 1 verse 2. And a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon. Who's he? That ancient serpent. Not merely old in years, but the ancient one. Then only to ancient times. That ancient serpent, which is the Diabolos, Greek, and the Satan, Hebrew, and bound him a thousand years. Now when that thousand years is up, we discover, verse 7, when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, and what would he do? He'll do exactly what he did when he was loosed out of the deep in Genesis 1 verse 2. He'll go into the paradise of God, and he'll deceive. Or this time, he goes to the nations of the earth. And he shall go out to deceive the nations, which in the four quarters of the earth. But this time, he's not allowed a length. He's finished. Finished. There's the beginning and end of the redemptive story. So you see, this battle is a terrific one. This foe is a mighty one. He can oppose God and he can be given this length of 6,000 years before he's finished. A thousand years in the bottomless pit doesn't cure him. The moment he comes out, he starts his deceptive work again and then he's finished. So I think, we can put the bounds of our study. There's the creation in the beginning. And up then there's a new heaven and a new earth where he dwelleth righteousness, a new creation, right at the extreme end. And in between, we have Genesis 1 verse 2 and the serpent bringing about the downfall of man and all the need for redemption. And then tries it again, that time finished. That which hath been is that which shall be. That's the principle. Now, that's got to be our study for some time to come. You see what we're in for? Not every chapter or every book in the Bible, but we've got to, as it were, canvas the working out of this purpose. Now, one of the ways in which I think we should have to do it is to step through it in large essential steps. 
And I have in front of me this thought that we must consider, uh, coming back to Genesis 1, what is the intention and purpose, the reason why we have a statement made like this. Verse 6, Genesis 1. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, and in verse 8 he called the firmament heaven. So here's something which is not really heaven itself in the beginning, but it's a temporary heaven. Would you say, what do you mean by a temporary heaven? Well, if you look at 2 Peter chapter 3, it says the heaven's going to depart like a scroll, it's going to depart and be dissolved and put away, and a new heaven and a new earth will come into view. So it's a temporary one. We've got to watch that, you see. So in this part, which is put here by the word ages, next time we come together, I should have to draw that tent, as I should describe it in and show you that it's a sort of tent or tabernacle that fills the whole of that purpose. And then we should have to look at the six days of creation here and see that they foreshadow the working, day, working week of God. Six days in the estimate of God in prophetic outline is 6,000 years, a 1,000 years for a day. There is one day which is called a Sabbath which lasts for 1,000 years. More than it's reasonable to think if one day is 1,000 years which we call the millennium, so the others. Well, friends, we are well on the way to the end of the 6,000 years. I don't know how far the clock is correct that we have. I don't know whether it could be proved absolutely that this is 1961. It's near about. And by the time you get a few more years, we shall be 6,000 years from the creation of Adam. And God's working week will have finished. And there'll come a Sabbath keeping called the millennium. Then comes the great day of God, the octave, the eighth day, the start all over again. Behold, I make all things new. So that's the program. In connection with that, we have the cherubim, curious creatures that need to be understood. And then we want to see why Adam was called Adam and why he was put in the place he was. So uh, if I can't all answer all those questions in one dinner hour, I'm dropping the hint you might like to come back to see what we can do about them next time. And aren't you conscious that instead of this book being a stodgy affair, you just begin to look here, you pick a bit here and there, will you begin to let it speak? It's got a tragedy and a story and a wonder about it that grips you and keeps you because this is personal, we belong to this, Christ's work was personal, he came for us. One day we're going to enter into the joy of this great redemption and rejoice with those unfallen beings when the evil one shall be completely gone and there shall be a kingdom where God shall be all in all.